Protect Your Neck Podcast. Last Dance Recap with Matt Wells. It was a nostalgic trip down memory lane, so strap in. What's up, everybody? Dan Tom here with the Protect Your Neck podcast, as well as my analyst work on MMAJunkie.com, USA Today as well, uh, sports. But we're not really talking MMA today. I got my buddy, as you can see here, Matt Wells, at Mr. Wells Art. Also, you can see on, uh, below for his Twitter handle where to get at him. He is, of course, from the Slip and Dip podcast. You may have seen him from places from fan-sided, many other outlets. Again, usually within the MMA media space, but as we'll briefly talk as we get into, that's right, NBA talk, the last dance recap. Um, both me and Matt have a soft spot for basketball, um, as, but particularly this series. So what better time? Probably the only time, right, Matt? I mean, what, how often is 90s nostalgia going to come up in this form? Uh, how often are dynasties and any sports team you know, going to you know, have that much of a a winning uh a winning title much less the stories that we saw right matt yeah 100 percent. and i mean when you think about the 90s i mean the bulls ran the 90s right yeah i mean the, the, not only the bulls but obviously mj's prime like that was the 90s that was 90s basketball that was 90s culture like we saw a little bit of that throughout this whole series and i really loved the way that they highlighted a bunch of things that we'll get into here in a few minutes but i think they did a good job of encapsulating how big of a deal it was especially for all these new kids out here that that didn't get to see Jordan play. Yes. They love to say, "Oh, LeBron was LeBron is bigger." Like, hmm. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> LeBron is not bigger than MJ. Never will be. Yeah. MJ is a whole different stratosphere. And and again, a caveat here folks, um the 90s decade thankfully was the only decade I really tuned into NBA uh, maybe we'll touch on it I'm not going to try to go down that rabbit hole but a lot of the things even a young mind and stupid mind like myself was like you know it as much as I like these Sprite commercials with Grant Hill I have a feeling the league's going a bit too much money you know uh, corruption you know there, there was league uh, you know issues with refs you know Tim Donahue wasn't the only mobbed up ref I'm not going to die on that hill I'm just saying there were a lot of things that killed my fandom so a lot of the things I can judge about LeBron um, aren't very fair. I can tell you that he and his mother were sweethearts because I used to actually park his car uh, back when I was a forum shops valet. He tipped very well for his uh, f- his Phantom uh, that he drove in, and we took care of his mom on the regular, who at least at that time was living out there. So I knew more Lebr- LeBron as the person, and he was a, a sweetheart, so I don't want to talk bad, but rounding it back to the last dance, Matt, um, you know, and, and if, it's funny when you go uh, look up things, and again, they're more... Uh, they're more, uh, you know, uh, pertinent, prevalent. They're more people are already aware. Probably listen to this if you've been following sports, as I admittedly haven't. But Scottie Pippen, for example, has weighed in on the LeBron Jordan argument that you're talking about, and there are a lot of moments, particularly in the episode tonight, which we'll talk about too. Maybe it's a recency bias, but how about episode nine when? Uh, and we'll get into the whole flu talk and all that stuff, Matt. But that you know, there's plenty of those moments, and I'm gonna hang on to that one because it just happened where Pippen was just like, even when this guy was sick, he was still the best. And you know, whether you want to agree with that or not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you on it. But you can't deny how powerful that was. Yeah, that was huge. That was huge because I mean, that's one not only just that moment and the the ability to go out there and perform 
with whatever ailment was really happening. I mean, tonight, you know, they try to say it's food poisoning. Um, you know, we hear all sorts of things. The flu, was it a night in Vegas before? Was it the hangover game? Whatever have you. But Pippen was absolutely right in that. He still went out there and gave it his best effort. And Jordan's best effort is leaps and bounds better than uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's incredible to see him go out there and still do that, knowing that he was nowhere near 100%, still was able to go out there on that stage and perform at a high level. And that just speaks to the type of talent that Michael Jordan was, man. Like, nobody could touch him. Nobody could touch him, no matter what. Absolutely. And uh, it, it, it was... It's funny, man. I'm, I don't know about, you know, if you're seeing it on your timeline. I don't have a lot of basketball, um, a lot of outside anything. Like, I really try to weed out things um, because it's just the world is so loud these days, right? Um, but, you know, you, I did see some, like, some Jordan saltiness. And I say that not because as a, as a big Bulls fan, let me just, before we jump into this this series any further, Matt, and, and you can please give an introduction to to your background because again we're not talking mma here um and so perhaps there's not mma people watching as well and thank you guys for joining please uh, feel free to add in the comments first time i'm using a certain software so i already saw some uh, thumbs up and things come through but uh if you want to add any questions and comments we'll address those as well uh, going on but man um i'm a bulls fan yes i guess is what i'm trying to say so before people think i'm going to come and defend jordan first of all people don't know if you didn't read my twitter bio as you can see here at dan tom mma uh, Scotty Pippen's number one fan. He's my favorite favorite player. Um, so that being said, um, sometimes I worried then and even now, and less we'll talk about why watching this series, that I was almost a borderline Jordan hater, and people couldn't get that. You know, mm. they would come ready to tear down Jordan in arguments, you know, back in the 90s, right? I posted pictures when I was a, a stupid, you know, little kid, but my mom will tell you, man, like, they couldn't have dinner parties, Matt, without, like, me accosting everyone who was a sports fan and, like, just owning them and, and spot, because they'd be like, oh, look at this cute kid, what the fuck do you know? And I'd be, I'd be quoting stats and I'd be like, and the three-point line wasn't even at the same place as it is now, where's his credit? You know, talking about, in reference to Jordan and Pippen's three-point finals records, um, like, like, and people will be like what the you know what the f uh so believe me i'm not in any way like a jordan mark um but i came away from this series respecting him more therefore to my original point was kind of surprised to see a lot of saltiness and a lot of old wounds rehashed did you do you see any of that do you my, my off base here but i mean it was just fun that's the that's, that's the fun of it i'm not hating anybody you don't have to like jordan that's that's not what i'm saying i'm not trying to come at people but Right, right. No, what it what it did for me, it reminded me of being like in that moment during that time, you know, middle school era, um, prime Jordan era, where there were people that I went to school with, their basketball fans that hated Jordan. Like I remembered those days, and I was just like, I was just baffled by that. Like, how yep. can you hate this man? Like, I had a family member um, who grew up in Indiana, and that was like during that whole series, like the Indiana versus. You know, the Chicago thing, like, hated MJ. And I'm not talking like, no, not just because he was the rival guy. Like, no, he hated MJ. I'm like, what do you mean? There was other people I went to school with that would like, like, I like anybody other than Jordan. Like, oh, he's like, I can't stand him. I can't stand to watch him play. Like, what? Like, he is the best ever. The best ever. How are you not, how do you not at least appreciate what you're watching? And I get we were younger and we're children now, and I'm sure that those people's opinions have changed over the years. But still, in the moment, to hear those words come out of, 
you know, people's mouths like our age at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it just blew my mind. Just blew my mind. Well, again, and we, you know, just because we're talking about NBA, obviously we're gonna we're, there's gonna be a lot of parallels to MMA here, um, at least from my my perspective of it. And you hear about this, like you hear like, uh, you know, like the John Joneses of the world, you know, at a certain point talk like people don't want to see you win at a certain point. Now, obviously, John Jones has done stuff since then from his character. I'm not, I'm not trying to go apples for apples here. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, put the microscope on him. But there is a certain amount of truth to that. Uh, right, right, Matt? As far as, like, people don't like to see a guy win. Um, and I'm not trying to say, you know, Jones or Jordan is cocky or cocky is, is bad by any means. But if you're dancing around that those areas where you're confident, rightfully so or not, but you're confident, it, it does seem to also rub a lot of people the wrong way as much as it inspires, right? No, yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things I think it actually came up in the series. I forget which episode when they were talking about, you know, they want to see you win until they want to see you lose. Like, you know, you win enough, they want to see you lose eventually. Right. And that's just that's just part of it. I mean, that's that's truth. Um, I can remember most recently Patriots in the NFL world. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of seeing you guys win. Let somebody else win. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the that was like a take from both like casuals and hardcores alike, right? That was yeah. one of the common grounds. Eh? That's that's a good example as well. Um, I mean, even even, if it, even that's even true when in, when the guy that's winning is one of your favorite athletes too. You know, you kind of want to see him have a little adversity. You don't want to see him go out there and win every single year. You know, like, I want to see you overcome some stuff. Lose a year, come back and win the next year. It's that sort of thing. And that was me too. And I'm in no way I'm going to try to make this about uh, myself. But again, just to kind of lay context in the beginning as we push on here. But again, I'm, I'm a big Pippen fan. And, and and part of me is I, I, I always love the underdog. And that's kind of like a bias that follows me into my profession now as an analyst analyzing mixed martial arts. Whether I pick the underdog or not, a part of my heart will be there. And there's a bias that I constantly have to steer away from because you know i think a lot of life comes into it, at least for me where things never came easy for me um uh, with a lot of things especially martial arts i'm very comfortable in bad positions i'm this or that but i'm, ne- I'm not good at anything I'm, I'm i know a lot about a bunch of different things i'm kind of a jack of all trades master of none so when i see these guys who also are jacks of all trades perhaps and not perhaps masters of all none uh it's they tend to get underrated. So I tend to, again, back to the underdogs, people being underrated. I like those guys. And Scottie Pippen, again, well-rounded, underrated. As we saw from this series, the adversity that even me, an avid Scottie Pippen fan, did not know about, uh, even behind the scenes. You know, you know, just the fact of stepping on as a ball boy, folks. They said equipment manager to be kind, one of the few kind things they, they did toward him. But he was a freaking ball boy, and you end up being the top 50 in spite of playing under the, you know, of course he's going to be underrated. He's playing under the best player to ever play. I'm not trying to start an argument there, but folks, that's a pretty safe one to hang your hat on. Um, the the odds were completely against a guy like that to even do well. So um, even though I like a team that was winning, a very dominant team, especially if we're looking at that 96 series, right, Matt? Um, to your point, yeah, part of you, you don't want to see that. Part of you, you want to see them overcome adversity. And, uh, and, and, and I think we got to see that from all characters. Of course, that's why I like Pippen. But they did a pretty good job of, of showing a lot of that, right? Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, there's so much stuff. Like, I fear we're going to leave out something, <laughs> like, from one of the earlier episodes. That, But there was just so much good stuff throughout the entire, ep- the entire series. I, I tried to watch all of the replays today leading up to episodes right. 9 and 10. 
um, just to kind of get a little bit of a refresher. But yeah. yeah, man, there's so much like you hear about like Scott Burrell, for example. Like I didn't know like he was such like a Do you <laughs> I so- guess a lackey for Jordan in a bed. Oh man, <laughs> in a sense. I don't know if this is the politically correct term, so forgive me. But dude, he was the whipping boy of the Chicago Bulls second right. chapter. Holy crap! In in, in the thing, it like. You know, to to touch on Pippen, like Pippen, he seemed like at least from the the way he was portrayed in this in this series here, like he was just the dude that seemed like, like whatever Jordan says, like I'm there, sort of thing. Like he he was like the number two in ever sent every sense of the word, right? He was like Jordan says we doing this, all right, we doing this. Y'all better come with us, sort of thing. Like that's the kind of you know thing I got. Like Jordan never chirped at him, you know, in this series. Jordan chirped on a whole bunch of other people throughout the series, <laughs> but you never really saw that like uh, um, a rift between the two, at least portrayed here. Let, let, let's start there, Matt, because you're right. You know, we, we are going to get, um, you know, leave things out. And I already knew that. So even though I'm uh, usually not prepared, <laughs> I actually tried to prepare somewhat. So I made a list. Right. And uh, about topics. There's just a few here we're going to go through um, and folks feel free to chime in any time. But the one at the top of the list is Jordan's mentality. And you mentioned Scott Burrell, so that's kind of the perfect segue there, Matt. You read my mind. You didn't even see these notes. So, yeah, <laughs> let's start there, man. Uh, again, I knew Scott Burrell is just a side player. Like, a, a low. Like I think I might have known Judd. I was more familiar with Judd Bushler than Scott Burrell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like, just to see, you know, like him, like, just, just on. You know Scott Burrell is going to be a meme after this, by the way. Poor Scotty. Poor Scott Burrell. And uh, to see him get ragged on, but that was kind of, you know, you, you look at the two Scots, and and again, I'm, I'm recency biased. I'm going to reference episode nine here that happened tonight. But you see, you know, uh, Jordan hounding him in the room. Even Jordan in a good mood was still fucking wouldn't let off Scott, right? Burrell. Uh, and you see Scotty telling him, tune him out. Just tune him out. You see Scott Burrell putting his, his, his fingers over his ears. And especially after you're reading, shout out to ESPN's Zach Lowe, who did a really good article kind of helping compensate um, some of the complaints, which we'll get to. Um, in a segment below as far as Scottie Pippen perhaps not getting the spotlight he needed. But in that article, he talks about him being the good cop and kind of the mother. And that's not to emasculate or demean Pippen because that's a very crucial role amongst alpha males that you need to work together. There's no women. There's no mother. And men don't have motherly instincts. And just like Pippen could facilitate plays and physical basketball, um, which I didn't realize there was apparently emotional compartment to balance out what we're talking about as far as Jordan's competitive mentality. And I feel like that Scott Burrell, long-winded here, for, forgive me, folks, rounding back, that Scott Burrell to Pippen dynamic was really great because you saw one Scott who, again, regardless of like what you were said, Matt, yeah, sure, he was being that number two guy. Ultimately, no one's denying that that's not what he wasn't. Um but he, you know, you almost see that character in the movie, like just, just play a role. You know, the number two character. There's always that number two character, and Scotty was that number two character. It's like just take the knocks, be tough about it. Don't let him see you. Don't show weakness. Trust me, it's gonna be okay. And yet Scott Burrell, who win or lose, didn't matter. He was just, he was getting it because he was, he was too nice, you know. And we saw like early on with the Charles Oakley taking Pippen by the, you know, short collar. You know, Pippen kind of had it beaten out of him early. Scott Burrell didn't really. How that hazing process? Yeah, and that's that's part of the. Th- it, it was interesting to see that all of that play out. And one thing I do, I don't want to get lost in this whole thing is like you know I've seen a few tweets and stuff like that out there talking about like you know uh, I think Mina Kimes uh, from ESPN tweeted out something like 
shouted out like to all the betas everywhere or something like that. You know, this one's for all the betas. Whatever, however she said it, something along those lines. But what I don't want to get lost in this is that you don't make it to the NBA if you're a beta in life, period. Right? right? So you were talking about alphas surrounded by alphas surrounded by Michael freaking Jordan. <laughs> so it's like, even if you're an alpha, there's still levels to being alphas. Like, there's always going to be that that top dog, right? And it just so happened that Michael Jordan was the top alpha inside of that locker room of other alphas, right? That's funny. You uh, Right next to Jordan's mentality, the next note, uh, Matt says, uh, Master Alpha. Self motivator, <laughs> which we'll get to the self motivator part for sure in a second, but he was he was the master alpha. And again, as a guy who likes the guy who comes out from adversity, those guys usually aren't the master alphas. You know what I'm saying? Like genetics, uh, both environment, biological and environmental issues, kind of going against them. Um, uh, again, not to keep throwing at my dude Scotty, but but back to Jordan. You know, he definitely was a master alpha. Uh, and man, it made me really even me, man. It made me. Again, it made me more of a fan of Jordan. It made me appreciate that. Like, this guy's a fucking, and pardon my French, I curse on the Protecting podcast all the time. So feel free, Matt. This guy's a fucking animal, right? I mean, this guy's a fucking animal. He does not let one thing get by him, whether it's playing coins with his security guys uh, or just, you know, anything. Like, And I love the setups, and especially the ones that had some kind of, you know, reality, which, again, recency bias, but we saw in episode nine here with uh, Russell from the Utah Jazz. I didn't know that context prior. And that was like, holy crap. The guy that you didn't need to, the guy that showed this series showed, you know, uh, you know, uh, to the self, which segues nicely to the self-motivator quote, he didn't even need a reason to, to come in and torture you. Like, that was just awesome. And even though, again, we're watching this in res- retrospect because me and Matt watched this live when we were kids and we were younger, we know what happened. We knew how these series played out. I got a trash can right next to me that tells me how the you know first four go you know go. Uh, I don't got to go wiki this. No, but like seriously. But you're, you're you're so enthralled and you're like holy crap because again shout out to ESPN. You did a great thank you tweet there. They did such a good job producing it. This from the music uh, to framing it up like a movie and TV series. Did they not, Matt? Yeah, it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful the way they did it. The way they did it. The way they got. Uh, pretty much everybody that you wanted to hear from mm-hmm. throughout the entire series, right? Even some some people that you didn't expect to, he- to hear from. Um, and, of course, a lot of them revealed stories that we didn't know about before. But to to the point about, you know, like the whole Jordan mentality and everything, it, it, was, it was so interesting to see how, like we all knew that growing up, like you said, right? We all knew how how intense he was. But to see, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, like you mentioned, man, like, with the quarters with the security guards, like, dude was always on, always on. And that's before before a game, after a game. Like, he was ready to compete. And it was just, like, one of those things, man. Like, you can't – like, it's, it takes a special sort of person. Um, some people will call it a little bit borderline, like, insanity a little bit. Maybe a maniac in a way, however you want to word it, whichever word of choice. But it, it's – it's extremely rare to have that level of competition 
Like for me personally, like when I played basketball games, like in high school or whatever, like it was like, all right, I'm, I'm focusing just on this game. And after the game, all right, I need to go chill somewhere. <laughs> like yeah. I need to go relax. Jordan was like, what's the next thing I can compete in? You know, there's just different mentalities that special humans have, man. Dude, I, I wasn't even, because by the time high school came, all my friends uh, grew much taller than, than me. And uh, I realized that I was not getting looked at already, like in seventh grade. I'm like, hey, why, why are they not looking at my friends? And uh, the inside joke, I, I shared this on a podcast, and I don't know if you know. I didn't grow up in like a black neighborhood by any means, but at, my, my, at the time, like most of my friends were, were black. We played basketball. And I was definitely that Asian kid who didn't realize he was Asian. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I wasn't Jamie Kennedy, all right, from like uh, whatever that thing is. Like I wasn't a wigger or whatever you want to call it, folks. I don't know if that's politically correct. I'm sorry, folks. I'm from the 90s. But uh, it was very much like the fresh off the boat. The, I don't know if you saw that Eddie Huang uh, yes. series. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, and he talks like he's like a, a, a New York hip-hop kid. And I didn't talk like I'm a New York hip-hop kid. But anyways, I was very much about basketball. It was my life. And I didn't make it to any any games, um, even on that level, like you said. But I remember, like, we would all, because our neighborhood, like, it was just kind of crappy outdoor courts, right? And we had to get on our bikes and ride to the uh, to, to, to this really, like, rich neighborhood where there was this, this place. I remember it's called, it was called, it's still there, Silver Springs Rec Center. And they had, like, one of the only indoor courts in Vegas that didn't charge. Um, but it was a trek to ride your bike up there. We Our parents wouldn't take us or anything, and, you know. And uh, it was within reach with bikes, so only once a week we would do it. We would ride up there. I would have my Air Pippins. I was, I, I, I never got the Jordans. I'll let you share your, any Jordan stories you have. I was always very jealous of kids who had Jordans. And this was, until this day, me or my mother, in, in that case, spending money. I've ne- neither have spent more money in, the, in, in, in since for a pair of shoes. But I didn't want to mess them up, so I would have them in the Nike shoe box in a little grocery bag and I'd hang it from my handlebars and we would ride up and we would spend all like, you know, we'd be working three man weaves, like our version of triangle, you know, like working like little plays and we would be ready. And then when we would go, we didn't play for money, but it was like, we would do three on three pickups and that was the shit. Um, and, but even those, even like as little competition like that was, I remember getting butterflies in my stomach. Like that I would build up for it all week. Sorry for the long winded story, but it just reminded me of that. Yeah, man, it's like playing ball back then, man. It was always we were always motivated, you know, by what we just witnessed on TV, whether it be like, you know, we would go out there and try to do something we saw Jordan do or whoever other player in like, you know, during that time. Um, it was a fun time, man, because growing up, like that's all we did, you know, like me and my friends, it was basketball, um, you know, hanging out. We were playing in the like in the driveways or whatever have you, and watching games, you know, or and then playing video games, obviously. But yeah, well, like, as far as like the shoes go, I think my first pair of Jordans that I actually got, I had I had a few different pairs. I think the Elevens. Uh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, the Elevens were the first ones I got, and it was one of those things, man. We obviously for the people that don't know, back then you had to go stand in line for shoes for Jordans on release day like you had to stand in line or you were not you were not going to get them and that was always the thing because i remember skipping you know first couple hours of school a couple of times to get some jordans when the jordan 12s came out definitely skipped school that day and i remember it was raining outside and i was lucky to get my pair 
And, you know, obviously pissed off my mom a couple of times <laughs> by like begging, like, we have to get these. And she would be like, how much are they going to be? I'd be like, oh, $200. <laughs> Just to say it under your breath and like not tell her, try not to tell her how much they'd be like once we're already in line. And round waiting down, and sort of round thing. down, round down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then <laughs> when, when we get to the register, they'd be like, how much? And I'd be like, hey, I mean, I don't, mom, I don't know what to tell on, you. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like don't do this right here, mom. <laughs> I hope this joke is. I hope this joke isn't insensitive. But before COVID nineteen, the most, uh, the, you know, the most fatigued workers would get was were Foot Locker employees, and upon a Jordan shoe release, you know. <laughs> For sure. You for say sure. those lines. I have these flashbacks in in my local mall. You know, right? You know, just lines. For sure, man. And I remember what I forget what shoe release it was. Oh man! But I remember we stood out in front of like the Foot Locker. Or whatever, and they ended up like not getting their shipment or something. And so I remember everybody that was in line racing across the mall that was otherwise closed, except for the people that you know, like the grandma, like mall walkers. Real, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody is racing across the mall to like the finish line or whatever the other store was to go see what they had left, you know, or what they, how many they had. And it was just things that we that I will never be doing again obviously at this stage in my life <laughs> and nor is there any shoe release like that would warrant that anymore you know like yeah like sneaker culture for me is not that big of a deal anymore i know like sneakerheads like they go crazy for certain like exclusive releases that have like limited numbers like it's a whole different world now yeah. than what it used to be but to get the jordans on release day and to go to school with them or whatever like and I remember, not only if you had the shoes, but if you were hooping in them, like if you were actually playing in them, that was a whole other thing. Like people yes. would be like, "Man, you are so disrespectful to your shoes!" Like, <laughs> like, I, like I got him to play in them. Sorry. Yeah. Or, like, or, or, or for me, but, oh, that guy could play. He's playing. He, he's it's you know he's making it worth it. Yes. I don't know about you, but like when they're showing them, for example, they showed the '97. Uh, and for example, uh, for what it's worth, my favorite Jordans were the '11s. But uh, they're showing a 97 uh, series, I think it was. And I, I don't know about you, for every model they showed, I had flashbacks to, like, different kids in my cafeteria or school. Like, the first kid to get, to get those, you're like, oh, oh, is this social status? You're like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh dude, he's got them all. You know, like, the, the, the first kid to have them, you're like, oh. And you, what color did they have? You know, it was, like, guys, young boys were in a fa- more in a fashion than women, arguably, when you looked at the culture. Um Especially mixed in probably the age we were at, Matt, you know, anywhere from that junior high to high school window, you know, even like I'm watching, I, I went to watch Can't, Can't Hardly Wait last night to fall asleep. Let me revisit an old movie from my nostalgia. And again, not about the Chicago Bulls, but that kind of era, the 90s especially, or that age period, which we both checked those boxes, Matt which was mm-hmm. the social status, right? There was so much social status. Who were you, you know? And a lot of that was how you wore what you... And it was funny how the Jordans became such a, you know, such a trademark of that and something that they touched on the the episode 10, the very last episode. Like, this guy transcended race, religion, culture, country, uh, borderlines. Um, you know, it, it was insane. He really transcended all that. Yeah, and one of the quotes in the series, uh, episode five, I actually wrote this down because I wanted to remember which one it was from, where the guy, I want to say if it was a security guy or whatever have you, walking by the camera as MJ was going to the bus, he said, that's what you call a Pope and Jesus phenomenon. 
And that's what it really was like, man. It was really like that. People just don't understand. Like these kids these days, they don't know unless you lived it. It's a whole different, whole different sort of thing. Like, yeah, LeBron is great. Yeah, Kobe was great. Neither one of them had the movement worldwide no. like MJ did, man. No, and people, and we do this with MMA, and I hate when, when we do this, even though I'm the first to admit that pound for pound, all-time great, it's all subjective and stupid, and that's the first note we should we should note off the top before we sure. anybody goes gung-ho and, and, and starts preaching. Um, because even the people themselves from the George St. Pierre's and whatnot will tell you, like, that's up to you. I don't consider myself whatever. And, um, and, and that's something that people will miss is not just putting things into context, which I think something that could, you know, this whole world and all topics could, could use, putting things in a context, but also losing the context of historical and the meaning at the time, what this person uh, did for, you know, did for the division or what those divisions look like and rounding it back into b- basketball. You know, this is pre-internet. This is pre-social media. This is an era of basketball that was very hands-on. Yet you still had the, uh, you still had arguably some of the sharpest form of drawing fouls and other type of tactics. I mean, this is the '90s. Everything meets at a, at an apex, and we were so right. lucky to witness that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It was a special time for basketball, man. And one of the things that kind of gets overlooked throughout this series is obviously the focus is on the Bulls. It's on Jordan, right? Right. But it overshadows some of the great teams that they came against. Uh, I oh, mean, yeah, like they really, they gave the Sonics like eight minutes of time. You know, that Sonics team won 64 games that year. <laughs> and they just happened to run into the team that won 72 <laughs> in the Bulls. And you, for, like, you forget that because of how, how good that season was, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, that's a... That's a good segue too. Uh, but but as we segue to that, Matt, just any any last thoughts on Jordan's mentality on that master alpha stuff that we were talking about? Anything surprise you, sway you, or make you more even more of a fan? I think the funniest thing, like not necessarily a surprise, because knowing his ego, you know, and seeing it over the years how it's played out, I think the most funny thing that I didn't expect to see was that time. I forget again. I forget which episode it was. Um, where he said that one player said that thing to him. He's like, all right, I'm going to get you next game or whatever. I forget what, I forget what series that was. I, there's so much to try to re- recall right now. It wasn't BJ. It wasn't that. It was before that. No, no, no. Yeah, it was before the BJ thing where he said, you know, you know, the young player said something like, nice game, Mike, or whatever. And then he's like, I use that as motivation to go get him the next game. And then oh, it turns yeah. out that the player never said that. Jordan created this yes. whole situation to go out yeah. there and put himself in that mindset of, I, I got to go back there and get this dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was hilarious to me. I mean, and, and just the, you know, and, and, and my last note on, on, on the alpha thing, uh, you know, resume, I mentioned GSP. Like, I, I would yeah. maybe consider Jordan or the, that Bulls as far as that because of the resume going out on top, those parallels. But... Um, and it's unfair to do the Jordan to MMA player. I'm not trying to do that, folks. I'm not trying to bang with a broad bush, but uh, but specifically, John. I see a lot of that John Jones man, that ruthlessness. I mean, I bet you, yes, as time sure. will come out, I bet you more gym stories as far as the gym stories of John Jones. I think those things will come out. And it's interesting because just like the NBA, just like basketball, right? There's always the young guy coming for your spot. John Jones did it to Rashad, right? And yeah. We see how fast and fluid that happens in mixed martial arts, even today at the highest level. 
Look at it at the NBA, and I don't have the sample sizes off the top of my head to compare. Nevertheless, that was impressive that Jordan, whether it was a guy on his team, a guy on another team, uh, a meaningful game in the playoffs or a not meaningful game, he wasn't letting anything slide. He was letting you know who the motherfucker was. And I was like, holy shit. Yes. It's, you know. it's, <laughs> man, I'm so glad that people get to see this, man, for the yes. people that were not there and lived, lived through it. Because we, we only heard I'm, these stories. We only heard yeah. about them. Yeah. It's incredible, man. And, and then not only just to hear them, because, you know, a lot of times we hear stories about someone's mentality and whatever have you. And it's a third party story to have Jordan sit there and react to things that people were saying about him and to give his own perspective on these moments and how he took in dealing with certain players and series. Man, it was really, really special watch, man. This is like something that I hope we see more of in the future. But, man. To, to really get that window into how Jordan was really thinking about those those days, really, really special stuff, man. Yeah, well, we definitely gave Jordan his due. Um, let's push on to the next topics. This one should be kind of a quick one. Uh, I just wrote Jerry Krause evil, question mark. People yes. were complaining with Jerry Krause getting a bad shake. Do you think he got a bad shake? He got, a, he got exactly what was the valid shake he deserved <laughs> because I, that was one of the things I almost forgot about. I almost forgot about how Jerry Krause almost ruined yep. that team because of his own little ego where he couldn't take that I'm not the player, but I'm in a position of power and I want things to be done my way and I have the power to break this down and rebuild. I can just build another special championship team out of nowhere. Like, No, you can't. There's a reason the Bulls only won six when Jordan was there. There's a reason they haven't won one before or like after. <laughs> like yep. Jordan is a special player. Like. You know, like, no, you can't just get rid of a Jordan and his chemistry like that's around him and just magically have another championship team in your hands. Like, that's not how it works. Yep. You catch lightning in a bottle, you got to let the lightning do its work, you know? Totally. As somebody who, you know, I will say, yeah, it sucks that he's no longer here to defend himself. And I'm sure there are probably other facets to Jerry Krause where he wasn't a bad guy. However, what was pertinent to the episode, I completely agree with you, Matt, they share share it how it should be. And the two things that I'm not going to say that I have expertise on, but know the most on outside of 90s basketball is movies and fighting. And Jerry Cross was essentially the common thread of those two slash those three. We're talking about basketball. He was essentially like a producer or a fight promoter, right? Um, yes. These people, they, they do good things, and they didn't get their name for no reason, you know, uh, whether it's a popular movie producer or a popular fight promoter, and they deserve credit for that. I am not trying to take away credit for that. However, often, like producers, they feel like they have to justify their name at a certain point, so they'll start putting their name in places perhaps where it doesn't belong. And you have that term, right? Too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, and you hear that with movies that go awry. It's often the producer because he's riding high off his past success. The story should sound familiar with the Jerry Krause, etc., etc. Or fight promoters where they do great things. They get the sport to where it was. They deserve all that credit. However, that doesn't mean they're, they're not beyond bad decisions rounding back to the last dance where he puts together the Bulls, Jerry Krause does, but then he not only is going to replace uh, Pippen with Kukoc, and Kukoc is awesome, man. I'm a Kukoc fan. This isn't hate on him. We'll, you know, give him his due. But not only that, but he's saying that he's going to be the next Jordan. That didn't really age well. And for Kukoc, it, caught, it got him to get his ass kicked, which I didn't realize in the Barcelona Olympics. That was, 
you know, we'll, we'll get to favorite parts of the series, but that was like the Nature Channel watching, you know, uh, two female lions getting ready for to go out for a hunt and just messing up a hyena. Yeah, and that was actually one of the things I did remember. I did remember them going at Kukoc like that because of that. I mean, it wasn't like as big of a story, but it was like one of those stories that you kind of knew that was like lightly talked about, like on some sports forums. I, I believe it may have been in like a Sports Illustrated or something too, like in the lead up to those games where it was mentioned. But I, that was one of the things I definitely remembered um, from back in the day, like the whole Dream Team. Um, <laughs> and Ku Coach, man, like they didn't really give him as much time as I thought they were going to throughout the whole series. I mean, they did they did a good little piece on him, um, you know, and talking about like him and his country and then the whole yeah. Civil War thing going on. Like that was cool that they actually dove in all of that for a little bit. Yeah, that was. But but yeah, he had a lot of big moments for that for that scene, man. He really did. Totally. And, you know, they, they kind of brush over it and people, you know, they they focused on the negatives a lot. Uh, which we'll, you know, I guess we'll we'll talk about, but like, I, you forget that like, not just the Steve Kerr play in '97, but what's what's what seals the deal is Pippen going for the steal, and then he hands it off to Kukoc. You know, it's kind of poetic justice to see yes. these guys down the line working together and making plays, making each other better. Um, but finishing off on the Jerry Krause evil thing, like, yeah, I mean that's. That I, did, I, I completely agree. And that partly is actually to the next note as we push on here. Uh, uh, push on here. Uh, and, and we'll get out of here after these notes. Um, Scotty Pippen's still underrated, question mark. We talked about he, uh, you know, they, they, he gets the Ku Coach segment. They show him. Um, they, they do a really good segment introing. Like, I didn't know that, like, he was taking care of not one but two disabled people. I knew about the ball boy and the odds alone. That was already a crazy story, right? Um, in any mm-hmm. sport that that's defying the odds, especially in a developed, established sport. Um, but then, you know, just uh, the poverty and then, the, the you know, all the, all, you know, all the, the, the family members and all that, um, that's beautiful. But however, what counters those two positive points, and I know there's more positives and more negatives, just trying to round it and, and narrow it down here. Um, they focus a lot on that 94, I believe it was, series where he – chooses to sit out because the play goes to Ku coach. Yeah. And yeah. even though they provided the context as far as why he would be salty, we'll talk about that because I think it ties into Jordan's mentality. I feel like that episode people were hanging on to that, but I feel like they missed the point of that episode. The point of that episode was the effect that what we talked about Jordan's mentality, how it how it had on people. It either broke people, shaped mm-hmm. people, or like many people said and corroborated, it helped Pippen more than more than the others. However, when Jordan left, Pippen kind of had to be that man, and it was against his type. And we, right. we see it all the time, man. We do. We, we've done it all in our own personal lives, where someone's like, "Oh, you should advocate more. Don't let this person walk all over you." And you're like, "Yeah." And then the person might not even do something that bad, but you kind of have all this previous shit chamber. You, you overreact because you think you're doing right, and you quickly realize you're wrong, just like Pippen quickly did in the thing. But you know, I still, despite that, and despite the context that they laid. I still see in the comments people are hanging on to that and tying it, tying this point off as I hand it off to you because I'm ranting too much, Matt. But in the last <laughs> episode tonight, I feel like they were going to do that again, um, minus the Chip Schaefer or whatever who didn't do the greatest, but he, you know, he's an athletic trainer. He's not going to be giving you some po- uh, poetic, convincing statement. But it felt like they kind of framed Pippen like as soft again too, like with the back injury, without, by the way, showing all the literally like. 
Carl Malone was giving flying knees to Scottie Pippen repeatedly. He was having breathing problems and chest problems, not just back problems, folks. And in an era like the 90s where offensive fouls were just at a peak, Carl uh, Malone, like Barkley was a guy who was quoted as saying, I made sure people, they'll get one charge, but they're not going to want to take the second. Malone mm-hmm. was the same way, but he was fucking slick about it. He was essentially throwing flying knees into the guy, and they're showing that he got that 39 highlight game. What they didn't show is that Pippen was literally, literally sacrificed his body just trying to just stop that fucking train, which it still didn't, they still didn't stop at that game. Anyways, right. um, maybe I'm tipping my hand, but do you do you feel he was underrated um, at all? And I'm not outraged by it by by any 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 means. I think there was for Pippen like the way the. The whole series played out like there was a there was a roller coaster like for him for to me because you know like they talked about all the things like him you know walking out on the team um, and then tonight I think was more so a testament to his toughness to where he like still went out there and was like hey I was a decoy <laughs> you know yeah. like he, he was laughing about it he was like oh I was definitely a decoy that game but I mean to still go out there and do that. There's players like in today's game that would not do that. They would not go out there and be that decoy. They're going to go back to the locker room and chill. You know, I mean, we see glimpses of it. And I mean, it it may not be their own decisions anymore either. Like it could just be medical staff being more strict. Um, You know, the optics of things of how we're treating players and stuff today could be very different. True, Um, true. You know, but it's like one of those things like I think back to – you know, like when the Warriors, like when Clay Thompson messed messed himself up, um, and he still went out there and shot the free throws, and then of course he had to walk off the court. You know, with the with the ACL. The same with Kevin Durant with his Achilles. You know, still had to hit some free throws before like going off the court. Um, in today's game, is different, man. If somebody has that like that sort of back injury after they go to the back and get looked at, and they're like, eh, I don't know if I can play, yada yada yada. Sure, sometimes they're going to let you go back out there, but if you don't pass a certain series of tests, they're going to be like, no, we're not putting you out there. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> you know, just insurance purposes. They're trying to look out for things more. And But for Pippen, like, as a whole, man, to get back to that, he was, he like, he's the ultimate teammate for me, even though he had moments where there was selfishness, but at the same time, there was moments where he was unselfish, like when he decided to take less money and stay with the team, <laughs> right? you know, and not get his market value because he understood what he could be a part of with Michael Jordan ahead of him. He was like, you know, we, we keep, get the right coaches here. We can be something special. You know, MJ is MJ. Like he, he recognized that. He was like, I need to be here with that. You know, money's going to come and money, money did come. And that's one of the things throughout yes. the series. Yeah. His wife, his wife got on Twitter. He was like, yo, he made over a hundred million throughout his career. He's all right. <laughs> like we're doing a hide over here. Right. <laughs> Don't right. worry about how much money he made throughout his career. You know? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I'm sorry. Finish your, you're going to say something. No, no. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, and I think I, I made a note of that earlier where I felt bad when they, you know, flashed the stats about the money, but at the same time, especially covering the sport that we cover, Matt, and seeing the paydays that we've been seeing for years now. Right. Um, yeah. It puts it in again back to that word context. It puts it in a it puts it in a different context. Um, that being said, it definitely does add the fuel to the my selfish uh, fandom fire of this guy's underrated. Look, you know, like adding because I didn't yeah, I didn't realize yeah, that sure. I didn't realize that he wasn't getting that. And you had Phil Jackson, who is the Zen master, Jordan, who is just aggression, right? Alpha and filling all those spaces in between with Scotty. So it wasn't just being underpaid. 
you know, that underpaid salary wasn't just for his playing skills. There was what the series showed a whole bunch of stuff that came with his role that was crucial, mm-hmm. that was needed for both Jordan and the Bulls' success that they were getting for all the same price tag. Right. Yeah, 100%, man. And he, he Pippen, like, if you want to say, like, ultimate, like, like is he underrated? A little, I mean, I would say a little bit. Because people like to bag on him, like after Jordan left, like, you know, his years with the Rockets, for example, right. like he didn't do anything, you know, special. Right. Well, well, like the league changed a little bit. He's older, obviously, you know, things change. But, I mean, he didn't have terrible years with Houston. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. But I will say this about Pippen, though. At the end of the day, he has both of our favorite dunks of all time. Yes. <laughs> yes. The one over Ewing. Like, I had to make sure we mentioned that because that by far and away, like just how it really defensive, you know, things aside, that was like Pippen. Like he was going to come at you, right? Whether it be defensively or offensively, like if he had an opportunity to dunk on somebody and he knew he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And he did that to Ewing and then just walked over him and pushed him down and said whatever he said to him. It was just so mean and aggressive and mm-hmm. I was just like, yes, and being a fan of the Bulls, man, I loved that. That's my favorite dunk of all time. Me too, and that was a rivalry, and I think it was a uh, dude, Ben Lewis, there. And I said, it's nothing personal against New York. Like, I actually, my two favorite people are Pat from that team, Pat Riley and Patrick Ewing. Like, I don't hate those guys at all. Um, and not that I hate the other ones, I'm just saying those are probably my favorite Knicks. Um, it's not like the feelings that I've had, which I've shared toward like a Shaqu- uh, Shaquille or uh, O'Neal per, per se. So it's nothing personal, mm-hmm. but like you said, that that dunk is the, the equivalent to like a walk off KO of. Uh, yes. And you notice they went back to it for a second time, and and they still because yeah. and, and also you can't play that highlight without showing him talking shit to Spike afterwards because that's a part of the highlight because yes. Spike was a part of the Knicks. So to just do it like he knew exactly like to go. All right, Spike ain't got nothing on this, and he went right to the bench and started fucking with Spike. Yes, and th- that goes back to my earlier point too. Like, an alpha being in the room with another alpha, like my- Michael Jordan. Scotty was absolutely an alpha, but he was the alpha that understood. That's that's the bigger alpha, right? So I'm I'm gonna take that side seat. <laughs> and that, by <laughs> the way, that dunk came after the notable notable notable. Oh, he he chose to take a bench. Like he actually had one of the best. Um, series and performances of that series from either team, despite them eventually losing, taking it to, I believe, a game seven and 94. But again, because he had to, he had to step up. Jordan's mentality affected these guys in a lot of ways. And I think, like many things, people will hang on to someone's action, even if it's way beyond time, even if they apologize and the team forgave them immediately after. People, fans, for whatever reason, are still hanging on to it. To, right. to shit on a guy who, again, is is arguably underrated. Like, okay, that's your prerogative. But, like, they, you know, you, you, you forget that he went on and, and outweighed the good. So just to shout out Zach Lowe's article, it was really cool to read that. And, like, you know, it starts off with Judd Bushler's daughter going through an airport going, I think I recognize the guy you played with. What's his name, Pippen? And Judd Bushler texting back going, go up to him now, explain who you are, and thank him <laughs> for everything he did for your father. Like, people are, like, speaking about... These players speak about Pippen like they were... They got him through a fucking prison sentence. Like, like he was read from Shawshank Redemption. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how yes. these guys guys speak of him, which should speak alone to his character. So, um, I don't think the series did a bad job or they, 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 they tried to, to, to portray him in a bad light to put a tie, a, a bow on this this segment, Matt. Um, but, yeah, the, it was a roller coaster ride that perhaps didn't t- tie off things 
uh, or set up context and you know um, uh, enough and 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 again like people like the Scott Van Pelt show and, and the journalists they went on there they they've been a lot of people who who are in the know have all been outspoken about this so I don't think it's an underrated or overlooked thing that's going going on. In fact, it's nice to see people going to bat for Scotty when the series have come out. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Uh, yeah. It, 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 last thing on Scotty, it was just yes, like, please, it, please. you always got the sense. You always got the sense that he was trying to be the best teammate possible. Um, you know, again, like outside of like one or two incidents, like that's the takeaway for me. Like if I had no idea who Scotty Pippen was um, watching the series, like I would, I had, I would have like the notion that he was the guy that wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, like yeah, I didn't get like, like oh he he didn't come off like a like a selfish asshole or anything like that. Like he came off like a, as a good solid teammate to me at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, just in contrast, again, uh, just with the the Ku coach thing, you look at how he was in '94, but then you look at '97, he's making plays to Ku coach and stuff. Um, and and like Ku coach said, he helped him more than anybody else with his defense. It was a big lacking, excuse me, a lacking hole of Ku coach's game. Mm-hmm. So. That was always cool, and um, forever shows my hipster part. Speaking of supporting cast, next segment, Matt. Who uh, you know? What was your favorite part uh, about the supporting cast? You lead this off. It's a general question, but uh, I, I have two things in mind. Oh man, there's so much I could go on, but I think one that captured me the most, and again, is probably recency bias because it just happened tonight, was the whole Steve Kerr thing. Yeah. Um, and actually, it happened over the last couple of things because it was one the fight that started it, right? Yeah. So that, the fight between Jordans and Curry, like that was huge, and that was one of those things where it was like they had that bonding moment. Right? Yes. Yes. Like, look, I'm not like I'm not here to be pushed around, sort of thing. Yada yada. I understand you're the big dog. Like I would have been, I would pay to be anything like to hear that conversation, you know. But it was also kind of a funny thing in that moment where MJ was like, somebody give me Steve Kerr's number because he didn't care to get it before that. Yes. <laughs> before that moment. But to have that that whole thing happen and then for them to get closer afterwards. But then the underlying thing that they shared a similarity with both of their fathers being taken away from them. You know, that was one thing that was like, you know, and, and to have Steve Kerr say, like, no, we never talked about that thing, like ever. You know, like it was just a thing um, that we both recognized that was there, but never went there. You know, we understand we're here for basketball and to try to be positive. Like we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to go down the, that road right now. At least I would be curious to know if they ever did have that conversation ever after the fact. But yeah, like I think Steve Kerr was the, probably the most interesting one for me because of those two things. But. There's a lot of other funny things, man. Scott Burrell getting ragged on was hilarious. Yep. Um, and he seemed to take it all in stride. It didn't seem like he was like hurt by any of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's, <laughs> there's just good stuff. Um, what was the other one? Um, Bill Winnington. Yes, I have me written Bill here Winnington. too. I I got to. Uh, I, I know. Shout to Ariel Hawani. I know Ariel is, is super biased toward anything near Canada. Or anything yes. like that, and and Winnington was, was a St. John's guy, but but I agree with Ariel, man. Go on, I, I'm with you here. Yeah, he was hilarious because he was like there with the camera, like on the thing, you know, and Jordan's like ragging on him. Um, and then the moment with like John Cusack where he passes him the ball, he's like, he's like, you passed the ball better than me, better than MJ. Yes, he's like actually, actually, MJ never passes me the ball. 
<laughs> like you like did, did Weddington always have this character and developed it late in life when you're watching these interviews? But then when they right. show that Cusack uh, moment, which is in real time in the in the nineties, mid run, right? Like early nineties or early mid nine or mid nineties at least. Uh, like this guy is like great. Like Weddington could be a fucking actor. Like he's just got that character, man, and charisma. I love it. He just seems like such a great quality guy. The moment on the plane, which is great because I remember I would never read and teachers would get mad at me for not reading in school. And I could read just fine. I just wasn't motivated. Um, unless it had anything to do with Chicago bulls. Otherwise I wasn't reading. And I mm-hmm. remember reading one article and it was literally the photo shoot was taken from that plane scene that they were doing, and Wennington has that nice moment where they're like, uh, Jordan's like, uh, oh, uh, Ahmad, uh, Ahmad getting paid more than you, Bill. Yes, or, that's or, what or, it was. Or, Ahmad getting paid more than me. He goes, oh, he wish he was. He wish he was. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And that's just great because, again, like, you could totally see MMA fighters, and I'm sure some do, um, that have good relationships within the gym, whether they're in or not necessarily in the same organizations or not. But there's not as much crossover as team sports. So mm-hmm. unless you come from the wrestling rooms or certain things, whether it's the big brother mentality or the professional mentality or anything in between, it's not as well groomed. So like being able to return, especially if you've played, grew up, grown up playing any sort of team sport, to see that locker room kind of back and forth on that level was awesome, which is also what kind of made the Birmingham Barons portion awesome to see jordan return to the smaller level of that the more human level of that which was cool yes yes and that's one thing um since you brought up the baseball thing yes everyone likes to look at that not everyone but some people love to just bag on jordan doing that right right he picked up a baseball bat out of nowhere and hit 200 and double a that is super impressive people do not understand how hard that is yes like that just speaks to his talent as an athlete. And I'm sure that there are some athletes, um, you know, that play like football or whatever. They can come over to baseball because, you know, growing up, a lot of those like if you're a two sport athlete, you play football and baseball right. or, you know, you have two sports that you play. So there could be some crossover, some, you know, muscle memory from earlier days played. But to still do that where you've got pitching is hard to hit in double A. You know, you, it's hard. And to just show up and hit 200, you know, smash a home run, like, after you're there not too long, super impressive. And I like that they focused on the muscles, right? Because I remember yeah. watching that 45 uh, comeback season, and it's easy, and it's justified to say that it's rust. But it's more than rust when you look at the mechanics of it, when you talked about the muscles and whatnot, and... Matt, tell me what you think, because I have people get mad at me, and I'm not trying to, you know, I know I, I, I'm a contrarian at heart, so perhaps it comes off that way. I'm definitely not trying to incite anything, but people are passionate about their football, and I respect football, but I often say, like, for people, and again, I, I, I pick uh, and like a lot of these football players that come over. It's not even anything to do with that. I just always warn, because we have a long track history now of high-level football players that try to go over an MMA. They haven't done that good. Everyone likes to shit on Brendan Shaw, but he might be the the most highest level football guy to highest level uh, MMA guy balance when you balance both those equations from where they're coming from. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a one or two off like a Herschel Walker, and and I'm not trying to shit on Strike Force, which I love. I'm just saying as far as consistently against a decent sample size of competition, we don't see that. People get upset when I say that, Matt. And it's not at all because I'm trying to disrespect football. The point I'm trying to make is just because you're a high-level athlete and you, pay, you play a high-level sport, it doesn't mean it crosses over. In fact, 
it more often than not, more often than people realize or give credit to, it does not, which plays into your point about Jordan playing baseball, how mm-hmm. crazy that was. Yeah, wild, man. It was wild. And then for, for Terry Francona to get on this documentary and say, if he had a 1,000 at-bats, he would have made the majors. I didn't. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that was insane. And I actually, that was around the time where I, I was still kind of following baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still got my Barry Bonds cards, man. Don't challenge me. Uh, and all these yeah. things. Like, I, I know I know, I had to fl- flash the Birmingham Barons card in the, in the Twitter post earlier. But that was mm-hmm. a great point. And last thing about Wennington, though, and in his last episode when they were, like, talking about the, uh, I think it was a, a game against the Jazz. It was the one easy game they had in the series, perhaps in 98. Um, where, like, everyone scored except Bill at a certain point. And, like, I remember being there and, like, I didn't realize the back dialogue. But I, you, if you're following the game and you know Bill Wennington, just to see him shoot a, a three or near three and hit it at that point was just was just spitting in your face. It was just spitting mm-hmm. in your face. You know what I'm saying? I remember yes. popping for it then. I completely forgot about it. And those were my favorite moments of the series. Yeah, man. There's so many little things like that throughout that whole little run. It's just so funny, man. Um, and and it really did speak to like you're saying, like because some nights when the Bulls, like especially during that 72 win season. Like, they were clowning some teams night in and night out, man. And it wasn't even, like, the the best, obviously, most recent memory would be the Warriors team, you know? The Warriors team that would just go on these stupid runs. And obviously, it looks different because the game has changed where it's right. mostly three-pointers yes. now. yeah. But when you get blown out by dudes hitting mostly two-pointers on you, <laughs> like that... Like, you get boat raced by dudes doing that to you versus guys that are coming down and just blasting threes everywhere. It's, it hits a little different when you go back and watch those. For different reasons and different eras, but it, that, that absolutely strikes through, Matt. And, yes. uh, and, 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 and yeah, and, and totally. And just the last, last note on that, because uh, as we get into our, last, our very last segment, we'll be out of here. Um, but just those moments, too, as well uh, that I said, and, and as well as ties into the point you just made. But that... They covered it midway through, but when Rodman went and hit the three, I don't know if they, they covered it, but they covered it in the Scott Van Pelt as far as, like, it was one of those overs that was guaranteed, and Chicago was already kicking their ass in a game that kind of like you described where it was just sad, and they mm-hmm. didn't need to score anymore, and Rodman, for whatever reason, just decides to go out of his way, dribble it out to the three-point line, turn around, and do a fadeaway three-pointer and, like, swish it, like, and it killed overs, and I, I wasn't privy to betting at the time, and I am now, so it, just, it added a whole new layer. I was like, holy shit. Yes. I, th- I thought about that a couple of times. Like, I almost wanted to go, like, actually Google what the some of the historical lines were on these games. Like, like with the Pippin Steel and the Kukos Junk, like, what was the line on that game? Like, to go yeah. up by four. Like, what was the, ga- what was the line on that game? Like, I, I want to go back and look. Um, because so many things like that. And again, like with Rodman scoring, like you were just saying about Winnington scoring, yeah. like when I like how they showed it in this last episode when he hit that when he hit that one bucket where he just turned around and did like the MJ thing. He's like, I don't know, and it looked like he didn't want to score. Like, I don't know. Was, I wrote, I wrote here, I wrote, I wrote grin, I wrote grin because he had that shit eating grin, which makes me love yes. Winnington more. I'm like, this guy's the fucking the shit. Um, okay, so favorite as we're talking about favorite part of the series, that's the last segment. It says favorite part of the series slash favorite episode. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll lead us off with this talk and I'll throw to you, Matt. It, it's hard to say because both bleed in, right? Like I'm a Pippin fan. So mm-hmm. that episode hits hard with me. However, I didn't go back to watch it recently. I can't confidence. I can't confidently say it was a great episode. Um, I will say that like episode, 
I know an early Jordan episode, which I'll get to in here in a second, was one of my favorite. I don't know which episode it was in particular. That was definitely up there. And the other one that gets up there, and again, this might be recency bias, was episode nine because you have the Indiana Pacers in 98. You get the Steve Kerr story that introduces stuff that hardcores didn't know. It ties in prior context, like you mentioned, Matt, with the fist fight as far as Jordan's mm-hmm. relationship. Um, I got teary-eyed like multiple times during that because you also have the security guard payoff statement, you know, the one that was like a father figure for him. And it kind of ties in with these hidden motivations as far as um, we'll talk about in a second with with, with my favorite moments. But I just want to kick it off with my favorite episodes, Early Jordan, which I'll talk more about. And, um, and, And that episode nine, I felt like it got so much in there. Holy crap. I looked at it and I'm like, this is the perfect place to end it. And there was still 15 minutes left to go. And I was nervous and excited because I was happy for 15 more minutes. I was nervous they would mess it up. They didn't. Um, episode mm-hmm. 9 had so much. So th- th- those are my front runners. I'll, I'll talk favorite parts because they'll probably come up when I throw to you here, Matt. What were your favorite episodes? Do, do, do you agree, disagree with anything I said? No, I agree with everything you said because all of these, um, I don't have a episode that I don't like. Let me, I'll say that. So they could all be considered a favorite. But... I guess one that stuck out the most to me, and this was the one that I was looking forward to the most to see how they actually played it out and, you know, put it on screen when I heard about it before any of this started airing was the one with Kobe. Yes. Considering Kobe is now no longer with us. And when I heard that Kobe was going to be in this, I was like, man, I'm really looking forward to that episode to see what they say about their relationship, what Kobe said about MJ and the way that all hit in episode five i think it was five or six one of those two that's got to be up um, there too i know that's just a moment we're talking about uh, but that that was a good episode yes 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 but i mean just even in that vacuum because kobe gets so many mj comparisons you yeah know, their games mirrored each other's in a lot of ways and to hear them talk about their relationship you know he was like big bro to me you know kobe said mj was like big bro and to see them you know, highlighted in that all-star game and see, basically to see MJ talking so much shit about him before that all-star game too. Yes. You know, on yeah. The sideline too was hilarious. So, but, but it, it, was, but, it was cool but, to see But that. compared to the examples we were exciting for uh, citing from this series, it was oddly enough, it was, and I know editing the magic of editing and you could say Jordan has final cut. And of course they're going to be kind to anybody who dies, much less Kobe. For sure, for sure. All those things aside, I still will argue well, from what we saw, Jordan, there was a respect and the reverence of how he went about it. There wasn't like the, from Scott Burrell's own teammate to the guys he made shit up about to the Dan Marleys of the world, Phoenix Suns, those personal vendettas or Russell from the Jazz, right? Um, mm-hmm. This was different. And I love that. Like, that was one of my favorite, since we're talking about series and moments to close this out. Um, episodes, again, were both kind of shoddy on it, and the recency bias slash number nine was just too damn strong to de- to, de- uh, to deny. But as we move uh, out of here and talking about favorite parts of the series, that was one of mine too. And I'm not even the most craziest Kobe fan, uh, because only because I was my fandom was moving out um, as Kobe was kicking the ass of Pippen and the Trailblazers. Uh, so that was the last <laughs> of Kobe I really saw. I didn't really follow up too much. And so I'm not going to talk. However, I will say, even though I despise Jack, um, Rick Fox, uh, and whatnot, um, obviously I liked Phil Jackson, who didn't get enough credit for that Lakers run. 
Um, yeah. But uh, I never, I never was a Kobe hater. I, and I'm not saying that because he's contrarian. Danton will tell you how it is. No, I never was a Kobe hater, and I always respected his game. So to see them respect each other, Jordan and Kobe, was just special. The fact they ca- captured, you couldn't script footage like that, right, Matt? Like the the pre-talk in the game, like. Hey, you see this Kobe? Like, no one was talking about Kobe. Like everybody was was being, you know, jovial. The levity was light because you could tell mm-hmm. it, was a, it was it was an all star. Like these guys are here to get paid, and Jordan's like contemplating, "Hey, watch out for this Kobe kid. He's gonna come up strong up the center. We gotta, you know, like he was." And that was that spoke volumes to me, man. That was one of my favorite part of the series, right? A hundred percent, man. Just <laughs> like stuff we've never heard before. I mean, obviously, like a whole this whole series is filled with new footage and stuff like that but i never envisioned like actually getting to hear mj shit on kobe before the all-star game <laughs> like yeah just i mean like when i say shit on him like no, he wasn't yeah, like you know, right. no, totally. degrading him or anything no. like that but he was just just to key in on him like that at least from you know how they showed it i'm respect. sure he was probably talking about other players too but just the way they cut it up yeah. like i'm gonna allow that to be the moment <laughs> you know like just to have that it was crazy and that was crazy to see that and that was beautiful that was one of my favorite moments of uh, on that episode you get magic johnson going in the locker room and i love magic he goes because you see the street and then he goes oh this is the mother and then you see him see the camera and he goes oh and he goes back into like corporate mode you know because he's well trained at that time you know he's already passed the game he's a well-trained media athlete and then how about i i I tweeted i need that bird jordan gif because it was a similar moment uh uh, bird congratulations and jordan and again even with you know win or lose you see him shaking the hands of reggie malone they're showing respect to each other maybe a little bit like oh i knew it was gonna be tough oh we're coming oh i knew you're gonna come like but that's the extent of it larry bird fuck you (laughs) 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 because you hear these stories too of larry bird being an underrated trash talker you you judge him by cover you're like Oh, look at this by the book farm, you know, white boy, whatever, you know, unfair criticism you want to lobby on him. And Duke, Larry Bird was a motherfucker, man. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's one thing, if anything, they left out about the series was the amount of shit that Jordan talked on the court. Yes. Because if you, you can go, I mean, that's actually readily available. If you go back and watch any other Jordan only documentary, like done in past, years past, that is very well documented. Yeah. <laughs> but. They really didn't even touch on that throughout this entire thing, like at all, really. It was kind of weird, kind of weird, you know, looking back on it. But Jordan talked the most trash out of anybody. And I remember as a younger, younger kid learning that. I was like, wow, really? Like, he's that mean (laughs) (laughs) on the court? I mean, you see it behind the scenes, like with the with the Scott Burrell stuff and like the Jerry Krause, you know, bullying Jerry Krause behind the scenes. But like. On the court, he talks so much trash, and they never even really mentioned that during the series, which was kind of interesting. No, totally, and and, and that's where I, I get where the people, the final cut criticisms uh, come in. Yeah. Uh, my last favorite parts of the series, you mentioned it earlier, I wanted to save it. Of course, the West, you know, e- you know, from the Lakers 2000s era to even in the 90s, you know, Stockton kind of talks about it. I'm not trying to demean them. There were tough teams, obviously, but I don't know if this is an unfair way to characterize it, it was just, so I'm not trying to say it wasn't, but it was more on paper um, slash what's going to attract box office teams as far as big names, big organizations, franchises. Whereas the East, especially in the 80s and early 90s, was like this quiet, rough and tumble, like, you know, like hard sect 
of the league that forged, the, as we saw, forged the, the Pistons help forge the Bulls and toughen them up, you know? And, and again, kind of hearkening back to episodes that there are great moments and not necessarily episodes. I think episodes seven and eight were the ones that show Jordan being very vulnerable, explaining his play. Like those episodes had really great moments as far as showing Jordan's mentality, but I can't say they were as well done episodes as, um, as the others. But when, when they're showing his mentality, that was one of the things I liked before he, he, which is becoming popular now, right? Matt, when Jordan has I, break, break, you know, but before that, what does he say? It's the stuff before that, that gets me when he's saying, he's like, because it's that scene where I always appreciate the bad guy in the comic books because the bad guy in the comic books was never born a bad guy. He was born right. a regular guy. It was the things that happened to him that shaped this fucking monster. And Jordan yes. goes, they didn't go through the same things I did. And hearkening back to the point that you said earlier, and I'm trying to round us back out to, which was the quiet toughness of the East, Jordan didn't, I mean, even in the Prime Bulls, that was their criticism, right? They didn't have the big men then, and they were still able to make a dynasty. But their big men lack of presence, aside from a tough Charles Oakley with a flat top. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He was the only protector, and he wasn't even there for the early part, the very early part, too. Jordan was taking fucking knocks, and they show these hard knocks. And it was a Jordan before the weight, before the experience, before the uh, the toughness, that uh, tough skin that, that, that the league gives to you. And yeah. whether you agree with him or not, God damn, you gotta have some type of harder sociopath if you can't sympathize with what he was trying to say. That hit me. It made me sympathize a lot. And that was, you know, the whole Detroit bad boys to um rounding out how that shaped Jordan. Those were two separate moments, but two of my favorite moments, Matt. Man, those are those are great moments in this whole series too. And there's so much so much stuff, man, like from every single episode, like a whole bunch of little nuggets that they dropped in, like basically like one of my favorite little things that kind of gets overlooked. And I'll, I'll go back to another th- point in a second. But one of the oh, things that um, like when his mom was basically like, you know, go with Nike, <laughs> like just yeah. little nuggets like that, little nuggets like that that get dropped in throughout the entire series. Huge. You know? Yeah. Huge things like that that just shape so much stuff for the future. Culture. Um, yeah, for the culture and everything, and, and like, and hearing MJ saying he wanted to go with Adidas and stuff like that, um, just things like that that kind of get overlooked. But those were significant moments in time that this documentary revealed. Um, just crazy stuff, man. And I lost my train of thought on what I was going to get get back to. Maybe it'll come back here in, in a second. Interrupt me if it comes back at any time. Yeah, yeah. But I'll just tie up the last kind of moments that I liked. I like the uh, the the Bad Boys era. Um, believe me, I'm gonna be talking more about uh, guys like uh, Bill Lambeer and something that I'm working on. Um, but I also, I also thought they did a really good job, and this probably fits into one of the better episodes that I can't recall when they talked about the '86 Celtics series, even though they lost that. Um, mm. They did a really good job from the editing, the music, and come on, dude, how? I mean, how much, how much ass was uh, Jordan pulling when it was gold chain Jordan in the '80s, man? I mean, <laughs> how much? I mean, that that was just you cannot touch that. Between that and sunglasses on, I don't give the fuck about the media '93 Jordan. Like those are the most two visually aesthetically pleasing badass Jordans, right? It, yeah, man. He, <laughs> I would imagine the world was, you know, at his fingertips. Whatever he wanted, <laughs> he could have he could have taken advantage of. But it was cool. To, it was actually cool to see, you know, him put his kids on there for a few seconds in the yes. last episode as well. 
you know? Yeah, because that was a thing that wasn't that was, and I'm fine with it. I'm not like a gossipy person or whatever. Um, but at the same time, yeah, from his marriage and whatnot, like they, you notice they really steer clear of all that, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm sure Jordan had a lot of influence on that. <laughs> yeah, again, <laughs> like, yeah, that's where the like, final cut notes uh, criticisms. I'm not defending at all. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I don't. I think there's. I don't think it would have fit in really well. Um, there's other things that are a part of that story, not, not the, you know, the marriage story, but the bulls story as a whole, like the Craig Hodges thing, like they never touched on that. And I think yeah. like that's, that's yeah. a is to be revisited. Yes. But again, it not being in this series, it's fine, but it, that's something that needs to come up. That needs to be its own standalone thing. So it, there's just, just so much that went around that team, man, just so much. And it, this was like, this wasn't perfect, but it was damn good. Was so damn good. Anything they left out, Matt, before we get out of here? Or besides that, I mean, Craig Hodges, that was a great point, but besides that. Yeah, the Craig Hodges thing. Um, the other thing, again, I mean, I kind of touched it on earlier, was them just kind of really driving home how good some of these teams were that they just pushed to the side, you know? Yeah. Like, I wish they would have highlighted that a little bit more because it made it seem like, you know, they were just boat racing guys. And sometimes it didn't like they did a good job with certain series, like, you know, with the Pistons, like you mentioned earlier, they they really showed how tough that team was. But some of these other teams, like when they won rings off of those teams, again, like that Sonics team was so good. That Magic team that beat them was so good, like uh, on his comeback year that beat him. Yeah. They were so good. I remember I tweeted that out during that episode. I was like, I remember actually wanting to, the Magic to beat the Bulls that year, right. like almost. Because that's how good and how fun of a team they were to watch. With, oh, dude, with, yeah. With, I mean, not with Magic. The Magic with Shaq and Penny. And, oh, Anthony Hardaway was one of my favorites. I mean, as much as I hate on Shaq, I don't hate on that team at all. Um, and Anthony Hardaway, to that point, was one of my favorites. Um, and that was just such a crushing series. And I, I love that Jordan never let it go because as a kid, I never let it go either. They, they missed the play. That was one of my most crushing plays where they had a chance to get back into that 95 series against Orlando. And they dish it out to Luke, and Luke's got the open dunk, and he decides to turn, going from you know sideways from the basket, and just throws it against the backboard. You're like, what the, what the fuck are you doing, Luke Longley? And yeah. like, I would just ride Luke Longley. As much of a Bulls fan, I would always pick on Luke Longley. Like, my one of my best friends, Matt, was a Jazz fan, so like those '97 and '98 series were so fun because it's the '90s, right? So we've got our phones that probably I don't even know if they're cordless. There's probably a cord, and we're like, yeah, yeah, talking shit to each other because there's no Twitter. And but one of the things we agreed on was always shitting on Luke Longley. We also thought it was funny because he was always paired up with Foster and like like Luke's so dumb he probably thinks Foster is responsible for the beer uh, that his country produces. And we would come yeah. up like, <laughs> like like so it's just this series was 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 really great. Like you said, there's probably you know um, parts of the series um, that I'm forgetting, but I really like the highlight on those East Coast teams. To your point on how. Uh, I mean, yes, as well as the teams in the finals. Like, even that Suns team, you know, was a really yeah. tough team. And, you know, I, I used to shit so much on Barkley because he came off a certain way and he was one of the guys that, like, said something, like, really, like, almost, like, borderline racist. I remember one time on that, on that Wang player from the Mavericks when he came in. And I'm like, this sour motherfucker never won a championship. But I watched, like, this documentary on Barkley uh, for something else I'm working on right now. And boy, just like this documentary, The Last Dance, it really 
again, you don't want to. Uh, this reminds me of a point before we get out of here. You don't mm-hmm. want to judge these people because you don't know. And I'm watching Bar, and now I'm becoming a fan of Barkley. I'm like, I'm not agreeing. There are certain things like Bob Costa said you just can't defend Barkley for. But right. if you know his intention and where he's coming from, and then you see his backstory, I'm like, I got a new appreciation for this guy. And yeah. I think the last dance kind of did that because this one last thing I'll, I, I'll leave it off on, and then we'll we'll work our way out of here, Matt. This has been fun. But one of my favorite moments, again, as a Pippen fan, as somebody I said at the top of the show, I borderline worried about hating on Jordan because what what is it? And I'm gonna I'm sorry if I'm messing up this up, folks. It's either the '96 or '97. I think it's the 96 against Seattle um, where they win. And that's the one where Jordan is hanging onto the ball, right? And he's mm-hmm. kind of crying. And Randy Brown tries to get the ball. And Jordan's not giving it to Randy Brown, right? <laughs> yeah. And we'll touch on the episode. They do such a beautiful job showing how far that goes. But here's my live reaction to that, Matt. Again, contrarian, young, stupid kid, Dan Tom, Scotty Pippen fan. Doesn't like ball hogs in general. And I'm just like... You know, not that Jordan, that's not, it was unfair compared, but I'm just saying, you know, just the action that he was doing. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, because, like, you know, just everything you hear is Jordan. Jordan, you didn't hear enough about, you know, uh, the team or my guy Pippen. And I'm just like, Jordan, you get everything. You've gotten every, like, do you have to have that? Can you give Randy Brown the fucking ball? It wasn't about Pippen or anything, but it was just more like, come on, like, you know, and again, nothing's, nothing's not Jordan's fault. But it's this human nature we have to criticize without knowing, yes. right? Yes, and I'm absolutely. like, so in my selfish head, without my ignorant perspective, I'm like, what a selfish. I'm like, come on, Jordan. This is a good moment. And I remember I almost let it ruin the moment for me then live because I'm just like, why can't you just give fucking Randy Brown the fucking ball? This guy hasn't. This is his first championship. He wasn't a part of the three that you already have, bro. He ain't going to taste mm-hmm. that. Like, get, let him have the ball. And the series, as it shows, which one of my favorite moments is like, you know, you know, Glove, who was another nice guy who I used to park his car at a certain time. And his he was another nice guy. Uh, you know, the Glove's talking. And he's Gary Payton. And he's like giving this really good breakdown. Like it's a really good technical breakdown that almost is like MMA, right? We're like, yeah, that's how you break down these talented Anthony Pettis guys that can just do anything like Jordan-like moves, right? Pressure. Keep beating into him. Keep pressuring him. You make him tired. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm getting into it. And then it cuts to Jordan. (laughs) 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 That that meme is not going to die for one. Yes. Uh, you know John yes. Jones is going to be using that. Like, it's going to be an evergreen John Jones for his Twitter game. Um, but for two, they explain to you. But what does he do? He he doesn't. It's not just a great moment, which it is, or him being an asshole, which it is. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. But he explains. He goes, there was more things going on. And you realize that it was the father thing, back to the Kerr tie-in. And it was mm-hmm. the game was going on on Father's Day. And I remember that. And yeah. you're like, holy shit. And then they show the footage of him going in the locker room. That wasn't an act for the camera. He wasn't being dramatic for the... He was breaking the fuck down after what was a long and grueling series. And he already defied the odds of what we touched on, how hard that baseball comeback was. That was one of... Long-winded, sorry, Matt. That was no, that no, was one of my did. favorite moments of the whole whole thing. Because I was like... I, it, it enlightened him. I feel like such a... The, the biggest asshole. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, man. It's... It, like I tweeted, I remember tweeting this out. I forget after which week, but I was like, "This whole thing is just a plot to get more Jordan gifts for the internet." Yeah, <laughs> that was a great so tweet. Many. That was a great tweet. It's perfect. We got so many. 
We got so many, especially in this last episode where, you know, Stephen Wright tweeted out. He was like, they could have ended the show after that reaction right there, and it would have been perfect. <laughs> you know, perfect, I, I forget yeah. what the line was. Um, but in this last episode, there was a great one. There's just so many things like that, man. Like, this whole series gave us so much, man. And and one, like, stuff that we didn't even really talk about, like how they talked about that the greatest game never seen or whatever, you know, the Dream Team scrimmage, um, that whole thing. You know, they touched on that for a little bit. Where truly, like people, oh, that was great. I, I think people don't really grasp how great the Dream Team was. Like, there's no, there never been a more apropos name for a team ever in history of sports. Period. Than that team that got built and the names that were on that team. Um, but that, like, even that was just like a little side story in this greater story of the, you know, the whole bulls thing i mean i wasn't an 80s aficionado but by the way for people that think i'm a lakers hater my favorite lakers team was for for, for what it's worth uh, eddie uh, you know elgin campbell eddie jones like all the bandwagons yeah. Lakers fans yeah. don't even know yeah. about this lakers team um so like there's my fucking lakers cred but by the way i loved going back and watching the classics before my time which was magic yeah. So, but that being said, I, I can't fully talk. But even hearing other people going like, you don't understand. Kind of the note we said earlier, like how Magic was so charismatic. Like Magic was so charismatic, folks. He talked his way out of AIDS. First of all, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to go there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, but <laughs> I'm sorry. But but. God. No, but like, the, but back to back heard. to the back to the scrimmage footage, right? Like to see him lose his shit. Like that didn't happen, right, Matt? Like just no, seeing him lose his shit. Talk. Never see that. No, that was insane. And tying this up and slash tying it back to our beloved sport of MMA. Um, I don't know if this is me giving it too much credit because this fits in my wheelhouse. This fits in your wheelhouse. We're biased, obviously. But I would like to think that a a lot of fighters, which I've already seen, are drawing inspiration from this and seeing that mentality. Because even people like myself who like to put combat sports higher than other sports, because, I'm again, I'm biased, and I'm not trying to put down other sports, but I'm just saying when it comes to toughness, when you see... And I'm a fan of soccer. I'm not trying to take a cheap shot, but it's a great example. When you see these soccer players making millions and millions of dollars uh, and then taking these flops that are even, like, yeah. you know, low percentage for NBA flops, it's right. really tough for us MMA fans seeing what our athletes take for the money they take to sympathize with that, right? However, I feel like, and granted, this is an era of basketball that deserves the credit. It was a tough era of basketball. I feel like this series highlighted a lot of those athlete mentalities, whether it's outliers like Jordan or otherwise, that is just a part of basic human psychology that translates. And I I think that A, it's going to inspire the fighters, and B, I hope, I'm not going to use the word think, I hope, because we're talking about um, MMA fans and this and that, but I hope MMA fans give it a chance because I think there's also a lot of parallels, even if you're not a basketball fan, to appreciate what exactly, when we talk about high-level athletes, their mentality, and their ability to turn things around, um, give give this series a shot in its respect. 100%. 100%, man. This, this is like such a fantastic... And it, can't, it couldn't can't come at a better time with everything else going on in the world. You know, to take Seriously. our minds off of everything for two hours every week for the past five weeks. It's been... It's been really well well received, man. Absolutely. It makes me want to start watching basketball again, Matt. Although, from what I'm told as being a 90s fan, I will be disappointed with how hands-off the game has uh, become in a lot of sense with the rule changes. You know, and that's, that's one thing, like, not to get back too much into this, but right. people like to think that 
refs never called fouls back in the day. <laughs> like, yeah, you no. know, like no, the people fouled out of games a lot more frequently. Go, than go they watch did a Shaq game. You'll hear the you'll yeah, hear exactly. the commentators brag about how an army couldn't take him down, but the fly lands on him, the refs blowing the whistle. Like don't don't make me go down that that, that hole, but yeah, that, I mean, yeah. like no people were calling it even on guys you wouldn't expect. So that's why I, say, I, I remember that was one of the things I remember vividly about playoff basketball back then was you having to worry about one of your favorite players fouling out of the game because oh, fouls normal. got called all the damn time, you know? It's part of the yeah, strategy. Sure, were, they, were, they, were they heavier fouls? Sure, I'll give you that. Yeah. But they, they still were called. You know, rules were still rules. <laughs> Absolutely. And just like MMA, man, you got you to gotta appreciate the pioneers working with these sports. And for 90s basketball, like I said, it was an apex where you still had the toughness from the 80s, but then you yes. had that craftness that you have to have because you have to adapt to the rules. So, right, which right. was Rodden was like the, that peak because he came from one of the toughest team of the 80s, but yet he had the craft and uh, was ahead of the game of that second coming as far as how to play offensive fouls um, and play that dirty game, which, again, that translates to MMA and the best do it, right? Oh, I need a, you know, again, I love Jose Aldo, uh, Jose Aldo, for example, but, you know, you'll watch that Mendes fight when Mendes is getting momentum. It'll yes. be quick to be like, I think I need a break for this. Uh, I think I need a break for this eye poke. And it's not yeah. a hate, but like, you know, the greatest do those tactics, man. The greatest. Yoel Romero, Stoolgate. Let's yep. go. <laughs> the greatest the greatest cheat and play dirty. And that's not meant as a diss when I say that. And I think this series kind of showed that too. Yeah, even the greatest will fucking go to get their get get their hands dirty. <laughs> it's 100%. It's I mean, necessary. Like Jordan said, he's like, people with the opinions that say otherwise, they didn't win multiple championships and have to do it at a high level. Right. And, and Jordan definitely pushed off on Byron Russell. Shouldn't have been a foul, but it, it was a definitely a push off. Oh, he did, he did. That was a that was indefensible. Like I like the I like the Paxson highlights. I like the Kerr highlights. I can feel good about those, Matt. I can't feel. I right. I still cannot feel good for what it's worth, folks, as a Bulls fan, um, for that '98 finish. And I had to hear all about it from uh, my best uh, my best friend at the time, who was an avid Jazz fan. So that was that was fun. Yeah, he. he I mean, he was he was right. His momentum was already going, but. You helped him get a little bit more separation. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I mean, even just looking at MMA terms as far as, like, in the clinch, like what we could see, like, a little shove new, you know, just scooting a guy that way. I mean, even little Dominic Cruz can, you know, do his knee-tap takedown. He just shoves people over, and just an ugly brute lever like that does a lot. So yeah. it, it, we're not trying to rehash uh, that gate, but, no, I agree. I agree, man. Matt, this has been fun, man. Any last words you want to get in before we uh, move on and get on out of here? Um, man, I've enjoyed doing this with you. Thanks for inviting me on to talk about this, man. Like you said, we don't get to talk 90s basketball in this format too often to where it's like an actually interest of, of a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and like Twitter is like live tweeting stuff. Uh, so it's super rare, super cool to revisit stuff because we actually lived it. And so being able to go through the own like our own memory banks of like, man, I remember this series. I remember that game. I remember that play. I remember just how the world was at that time man because people don't the kids these days this is my last point they don't understand the things that you didn't see that surrounded everything around michael jordan like you turn on the tv everybody was talking about michael jordan jordan references was everywhere commercials talk shows whatever have you everybody brought something back to speaking about michael jordan and it still happens to this day yes so that's one of the things that people i hope realize now again going back to the pope and jesus phenomenon quote 
that's what it was like. <laughs> yes. That's what it was like. Jordan was that dude. Yep. He he transitioned so much for the game, not only game of basketball, but for athletics and athletes and superstardom as an athlete to get more eyes on truly the guys that can say, hey, I I have a product. I can sell you the shoes, the brand, the Nike. I have the talent in my sport. Mix those two together, and it just blows up the entire world. Yep. You know, it's, it's just phenomenal. We're never going to see another Michael Jordan again. Yep. It's just not going to happen. Absolutely. And on that note, I won't try to stir up the LeBron argument. Again, I have no bullets to fire. But what I, what I will say is someone said something is that you can compare the stats and the context and the teams they played against all you want. How many other sports, how many other countries, how many other cultures are saying, oh, he's the Michael Jordan of this? And how many of them are saying, he's the LeBron James of this? Yes. That's where the argument kind of ends to me. And that's not shitting on LeBron James at all. Again, my experience with him personally has been nothing but nice. I don't know much about his basketball game. Uh, but that's more of a statement on how big Jordan was than it is on LeBron. It's not. That's not a, in any way calling out LeBron's game, which is, I'm sure, great, as people say it is. Absolutely. Um, and then also just the anticipation of those days people don't understand. And when you talk about people not understanding things because we have instant gratification, social media, over inundation, we don't have anticipation um, like it was. Uh, and yeah, that's the, also very true. I mean, true. like, I don't know about you, Matt, I would wait for the Sunday paper because the Sunday paper had the TV guide and then I would get a highlighter. <laughs> and I was lucky because Las yes. Vegas, we had WGN, which was Chicago's channel. So I would highlight all the Bulls games. And so, again, for people that accuse me of being a Lakers hater, you know what the second game I would highlight for my second viewing choice was the Los Angeles Lakers because the last time I met in analogy in the night, because that late Lakers 90s team, which doesn't get a lot of love because they didn't win championships, they were like the action fighter. You know, they were that proverbial action fighter on the fight card who was going to deliver. And 90s basketball was kind of full of a bunch of action fighters um, that I was talking to, uh, shouts to Tommy Elliott on Twitter, that... Again, not only people short, shitting on Jordan unfairly for his basketball transition, but they don't realize what that allowed to do as far as letting the league, which was potent, breathe with talent. Letting players like from Pippen on his own team to the guys from other teams like blossom, you know, um, you know and, and, and that created a, pretty much a league of action fighters. So you can say what you want about the Bulls' dominance. You could still watch an NBA season, and it was so freaking fun in the mid-'90s, man. Oh, 100%. Hundred percent, man. All right, thank, such good times. Thanks, Matt. Of course, you know you can fo fo follow Matthew Wells at Mr. Wells Art. Uh, of course, there you can subscribe to all his work. I just I love the Slip and uh, Slip and Dip podcast. Make sure you are following that. Of course, you follow me at Dan Tom MMAs. You can also see on the screen below that is both of our uh, Twitter addresses. There, this podcast on all social platforms at the PYM Podcast. Yes, we usually cover MMA, top five shows, event recaps, breakdowns, and uh, everything kind of in between. Uh, so follow me there. Thank you for humoring this basketball uh, little, uh, letting us step out inside. I feel like this show should have been sponsored by, what was that last thing, Matt? What was that uh, What was that 90s company with the commercial? Where it was like the adult in me was excited to talk about the last dance but the kid in me is losing his mind and it shows the kid version of both of us like that was oh. that's what this podcast was it was essentially the kid version but was 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 fully you know fooling you was behind the mic the whole time folks yeah yeah i'm trying to blink on that but i, I know exactly i don't what know if it was like checks mix or some shit like that but it was some kind of weird yeah. american product where it was like but the kid in me is going crazy 
Right. Oh, man. I'm going to have to Google that as soon as we get right. off of this. Hit us up Figure either <laughs> at, at Mr. Wells Art or at Dan Tom MMA. Uh, I love the people that come through and, and, and give the corrections and omissions. Um, until next time, everybody, and appreciate the classics in whatever sport you love that came before. Stay healthy out there. And always, you know what I'm going to say, protect your necks.